Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today on the show, we've got therapist Rocky Anthony joining us uh, to begin the conversation of what uh, honestly could be an entire separate podcast in and of itself, um, but the topic of grief and loss. And how do we begin thinking through that from a um, both a personal standpoint as well as a parenting standpoint? How does it affect our relationships? How do we um, help our kids begin processing it and walking through it in a healthy way? Um, we cover all those topics and more with Rocky. Uh, and you're just going to love, love, love him. He's a patient, empathetic, compassionate, uh, kind, wise, uh, generous guy. Um, somebody that we've known around ETC for years and uh, just great, uh, great, great, great person. So uh, can't wait to share this interview with you. Right now, here he is, Rocky Anthony. Well, okay, we're here today with Rocky Anthony, and um, Rocky, among other things, is a, a therapist in Memphis, Tennessee, and so we um, wanted to gather with him today to talk about grief and loss, and so um, Rocky, thank you, first of all, for being here, and before we jump into to our topic today, which is, um, you know, could potentially be pretty deep and, and heavy to walk through, um, why don't we just kind of let folks know who you are and, and, and what you do? J.D., thank you so much. It's really great to be uh, with you today. So thanks for the invite on that. Uh, I know this is a, a full week for uh, for many of us as we just really try to circle around uh, gratitude. Yeah. And uh, let's be honest, uh, sometimes uh, grief gets in the way of gratitude. Oh, man. Um, yes. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm, I'm a native of St. Louis, born in Chicago. Um and uh, uh, but really have been here in Memphis for uh, about 30 years. Okay. Uh, and my wife, Tracy, and I have uh, uh, what are now four adult children. So uh, all of them were born in the South. So I'd like to say, you know, having been here for 30 years that, you know, I'm kind of a Southerner. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can pull off things like, hey, I'm fixing to carry it down the store. So I've learned things like, like that just to get, get, get by. Uh, I, since being in Memphis, uh, I spent, uh, about 20 or so years in, uh, a pastoral role, um, at, at a large church here in Memphis. Uh, but really always focused, uh, ultimately where my heart really has been, uh, on soul care mm. and, uh, really trying to help people, uh, really develop, souls that uh would allow would allow them to like know god commune with god and develop deeper intimacy with god mm. uh, for these last nine or so years uh, i've been in a role of of being a, a counselor to a community uh called a memphis teacher residence residency and that that is a a group of educators who are serving in uh, uh, schools uh, around Memphis, per particularly particularly in the urban area of Memphis, some of the most uh, needy schools in terms of uh, like academic advancement and whatnot, a lot of the under-resourced. My role is really just to come alongside these educators and uh, do everything I can just to like encourage them uh, in their 
uh, emotional and mental and spiritual uh, lives uh, in the hard work that they that they that they do, and yeah. um, you know that particular group. If you want to look at uh, uh, MemphisTR.org, is just a phenomenal uh, group of of people who are uh, really every day in the trenches uh, trying to make a difference. Yeah, as, um, as every teacher now scribbles down, we need a counselor in our group. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's a, it's resource. a joy to be able to do that, uh, just to encourage like, uh, you know, these folk just to be able to thrive in the midst of the hard yeah. and, um, you know, much as possible, God help us, uh, to move towards sustainability. Yeah. 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 Man. Well, uh, we, we've obviously been friends for a while now and, uh, and know each other well through multiple different contexts, but, uh, we wanted to have you on particularly today, just, uh, to begin to talk about, you know, a lot of, a lot of your work is working with people who are, uh, working in pretty difficult contexts where their uh, population is experiencing grief and loss at a, at a pretty rapid rate. Um, you mentioned grief getting in the way of gratitude sometimes as we approach just, not just Thanksgiving, but the whole holiday season. Um, this little bugger <laughs> grief and loss in our lives can um, pop up at the absolute worst times and just make life a nightmare. And so we wanted to, to begin, especially in light of our conversation last week with the adoption triad, we just wanted to begin kind of outlining what is grief, what is loss, how do we, how can we then get our hands around it? So why don't we kind of start there? Would you mind just sort of defining grief for us or, or loss and talking about what it does to us? Mm. Well, if we're going to just maybe start with maybe a more technical definition of grief, um, you know, many people are familiar with the five stages of grief. I'll, I'll maybe uh, revisit that in just a moment. But just generally, you know, this idea of grief is just the, the loss, particularly the loss of some one or something uh, that has died. <laughs> and uh, when you have formed deep levels of emotional connection to that person and uh, those bonds are rich and you lose that person, uh, it, it impacts you uh, emotionally, it impacts you cognitively, it impacts you relationally. And I've said this for years, the greater the bond, the greater the grief. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, you know, and, and that, that could be a person for sure. Um, that, that could be an animal, <laughs> right. uh, you know, that could be a city that you leave. That could be a lot of things. But, uh, I think most often when we think about grief, we think of a, a person that we've loved, um, that is, is no longer in our life. Yeah. And I think when we think about adoption, that could be, you know, there's grief. That person could still be alive but they're not in our life yeah, yeah, in the way that we want them to be. Right. So right. there's, there's a lack of um, connection. There's a lack of ability to celebrate the presence of that person in our lives. Mm. And as we're thinking about, you know, how that begins to affect us, um, maybe, maybe we'll start from more of a parenting level. A lot, you know, we talk all the time on the show here about how, uh, you know, unfortunately we bring all of ourselves to parenting, like it or not. So we bring all of our past, all of our baggage, all of our good, bad, and ugly. It all comes with us into that parenting arena. So how can kind of some unresolved grief, unresolved loss, um, or, or even, you know, loss that we've tried to process well, how can that affect us in that, in that parenting realm? 
Uh, JD, what you just said, I think is really, really important. You know, what I just heard you say is we bring all of our past, we bring all of our, you know, to the parenting process or to whatever process. Um, you know, one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past, and this comes from uh, really the the recovery world, um, and I'll just I'll just I'll just give you this phrase: expectations are premeditated resentments. Mm. Yeah, you know, we we could change that phrase around, but I think one of the things that creates, you know, in in that phrase we're using resentments. Um, but we could almost morph that and say expectations have a way of stirring up, um, you know, greater levels of grief, you know, because I think we, we bring to a situation, a set of, Hey, it should be this, or it should be that, um, you know, and, and I think we're moving into, you know, a holiday season. Um, you know, we have uh, different ideas of nostalgia or we have different views of, of, you know, what a person like me would call magical thinking and and, and things don't go that way. And, um, so there's expectations that create for us and we're, it was since we're, we're kind of doing it to ourselves, um, heightened levels of grief because we want things to go a certain way. And so we're not able to kind of like deal with life on, on life's terms. The loss is hard enough. Right. But then we add to it these other expectations for the way we think life should be going. And it, it creates a, even a greater gap. You know, if if our listeners could see what I'm doing here for you on the screen, um, you know, the, you know, I have one hand up in the air and one hand below that. You know, there's a life that we want, and then below that, there's a life that we have. Yeah. And I think, sadly, tragically, so many of us were like, "Hey, there's a life that we want, and that's up here, and it's, you know, it's without problems, it's without struggles, it's." I want this person back in my life or I want these things to go that way. But then here's, here's the reality. There's a life I have. Yeah. And what separates those two is this thing called a gap. And I think so many of us are, are trying to find a way to close that gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocky calls that gap management living. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's an exhausting, exhausting way to live life. Yes. You know, this word acceptance, which is able to say, there is a life I have. Mm. That doesn't mean quitting. Right. Um, but that, that does mean acceptance. And this really does have a lot to, to say uh, and inform us around grief to say, okay, um, you know, it, it, that, if I could go, go uh, circle back around the, the, the five stages of grief, that is the last of the five stages. Mm. You know, there's denial, there's anger, there's bargaining, which is I'm going to figure out a way to make this work for me. There's so there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then there's finally acceptance. Mm. There's the life I have. 
I know that I know that was a lot. No, that's I mean, that's great. So let's take a right turn there for a second and 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 stay on this in this lane. So we get to a place of acceptance and oftentimes what I feel like happens is that acceptance and depression sort of weave in and out of each other. Acceptance, but then the depression of, but I really did want this. I know I've just got this life, but I really did want this. So how do we begin to reconcile that in a place of making peace with ourselves? Well, you know, let's, I think, first of all, to say, let's, let's give our, all of ourselves like a big dose of grace. Welcome to humanity. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, I, I think of Paul's words, the apostle Paul's words, he's in, he's in a jail in Philippi. It's certainly not where he wanted to be. Yeah. You know, he was a traveling church planter and then he finds himself literally chained, chained in a jail. But this is what he says. I learned, mm. I learned the secret of being content. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you so much. Because and whether we're gonna say contentment or we're gonna say peace, yeah. Um, you know, we it's like we enroll in that school. And you know, it's not that we ever like get there and they're like, oh boy, I'm glad I'm in the land of peace. <laughs> now I can just ride that out <laughs> and enjoy that, like for the, you know. You know how 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 do alcoholics stay sober every day, hmm. or for the, they do it one day at a time? Right. Yeah. That's well, true. How did Paul? He learned that, and I think he he learned that um, little by slow. Yeah. And in some in some ways, uh, JD, there's no magic formula for that. Um, but I think there are practices that help us to like ground ourselves daily so that it's more likely that we would experience that. Mm. That's really great. That's great. So, you know, when we are uh, getting to a place of starting to grieve uh, losses that are happening, maybe they've been things that have been, uh, we've, we've not allowed ourselves to really dive into because they hurt too much. And we we're saying, you know what, now's the time I want to start thinking through that. Is there a, uh, is there a kind of starting out kind of a pathway to grieving healthily that we can that we can you know share with our listeners today like a like a first few steps of here's some guidelines to give you as you begin to grieve through loss well um I just think about my own experience yeah i've lost I've lost both my parents my wife has lost both her parents um and you know, I'm just thinking about even some conversations I've been having recently, mm. um, you know, as we're moving into the holidays. Um, and it's just interesting, you know, kind of the way so many of us tend to um, handle handle our own grief. Let's just be real practical. Like when we think about somebody that we love, who's maybe no longer with us and whether that's that they've died or they're not present and we're grieving their absence Mm -hmm. and the thought of them um, creates sadness, right? And so here's the first temptation. The first temptation is that feeling of sadness is uncomfortable. And so 
I'm going to try just to put them out of my mind. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I thought about them. That makes me sad. And so I'm going to try to uh, just like, like sweep that, sweep that memory, that person out of my mind. And I'm like, you know, um, that's one way, (laughs) but I, I, I think a, maybe a more healthy approach is just to like learn to embrace that memory and uh, like accept that memory as like a, a memory of like like a a, a kind a kind mo- like learning to embrace that memory with kindness, yeah, and, and learn to sit in it, and and not to identify that like always with sadness. Yeah. Remember the greater the love in the relationship, right? In a sense, the greater the pain. I've always said to people, in a sense, your, your scar is a tribute Mm. to the love you've had for this person. I always like to think of it, of it as like a beauty mark on your heart. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so rather than, oh, I just got to rush this out of my mind. No, no. Give yourself a moment just to like in the present to, to reflect on that person. Gosh, I love them so much. And, 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 and even just to say, okay, what, like, what, what is the treasured moment I have with them? And, and to, to dwell on that. And to breathe and uh, to be in that uh, for, for, for a moment. Um, and, I, you know, I just think, you know, we, we could have a long conversation, you and I could, even on this broadcast, you know, about, and I'm sure you have uh, in past power of neuroplasticity, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. and so you know, like, instead of, you know, uh, we call this ants, automatic negative thoughts, Right. And so instead of that memory creating an ant, an automatic negative thought, you know, the power of the mind to say, no, whenever I think of that person, you know, I'm going to allow my mind to begin to think about, about that person, like with kindness and beauty. Mm-hmm. And just receive that as a gift from God. Hmm. And we've talked about that neuroplasticity, the ability for your brain over time to be able to reshape those memories and to re uh, to reclaim territory, so to speak, um, in that in that arena, and that that is, gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Not in, in the, I, we can maybe summarize this a whole lot with a whole lot fewer words. Um, you know, not to be afraid of that thought. Yeah. But just to welcome it with a sense of curiosity hmm. and, and like anticipation. Yeah. I think when yeah. we're afraid of it, it, it has pow- the, the wrong kind of power over it, us. Yeah. Gosh, especially when there's, when there's complex memories attached to it seasonally and otherwise. Right. Um, what about for our kids? When we think about, and we talked a little bit earlier, you know, some of our, our kids, whether through 
foster care through adoption, biologically. Um, some of us are parenting kids who have experienced some pretty tough stuff early on in life. And, uh, and so we've, we've talked at length a billion times in this podcast about the effects of trauma in early childhood yeah. and, um, and um, you know, how it can present and maladaptive behaviors and all of that. But from a very base level, um, let's talk for a minute about uh, loving our kids who have experienced trauma and loss kind of through a holiday season. And, and maybe, you know, is it, is it a similar roadmap to teaching them to kind of sit with some memories in a positive way? Or do you find that there's some different mechanisms for doing that with kids? Well, I think the power of empathy is, is huge. Um, yeah, I think what we know about trauma is like the importance of uh, that trauma uh, survivor having an opportunity to sit with somebody that they trust mm. who is the safe person and who allows them to share their story. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, I, I would use with um, people that I work with sort of like a picture of a balloon, right? It, it's like, you know, every, every experience that is traumatic or hard, it, it's like, um, you know, another, another burst of, of breath into a balloon that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like every conversation that, that is uh, healthy and safe. It's like, you're letting, letting a little air out of that balloon, little air out of that balloon, little air out of that balloon. And so, you know, I think, you know, these parents who are present and safe and patient and showing love and empathy. And you're never going to do that perfectly. Sure. You're not. Right. Um, but just showing up and, and providing that, hey, tell me more. What was that like? Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, just some of those basic tools. Um, I, I think it's, so, it's just invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I often think, you know, when, when we were able to be uh, safe and that, that picture of the balloon is super, super helpful because a balloon that is not overinflated can handle some bumps and some, and some pressure. And, you know, you can, you can even sit on a balloon. It's, it's not fully inflated and it'll, it'll form out to the side to be able to absorb that blow. Whereas the higher pressure it is, every, every outside pressure that comes in um, tends to cause it um, to pop. And all of us, I think, have experienced that pop mm. within uh, parenting before. Moments of, of unexplained explosion where you're looking around like, what in the world? <laughs> and we, it's easy for us to lose sight that, that that balloon is pressurized over time from lots of little interactions. And so, um, yeah, creating space for those conversations is, is vital. Um, he, you know, some of us... Uh, and hand raised, myself included. We're we're traveling over the holidays, different settings. So maybe let's let's kind of round third and, and head for home. In this this line of discussion, um, we're going to be heading some situations that might be complex for us with our own family background and um, and uh, relationships. Um, might be complex for our kids um, based on their relationships with with extended family, etc. Um, and then when you combine those two things together, so everybody's under one roof, maybe mom and dad have a strained relationship with the in-laws you're staying with or whatever. Maybe the, the kids that are, that are there don't always feel the safest in, in, in their environments, whatever. So maybe let's finish with some guidelines or some conversation around um, the holidays in general and how we can um, step back to create safe environments for everybody involved going into the holidays. Well, 
I think what you just said is so helpful because what you've just done there, JD, is uh, is name like the context that people and families are experiencing. And I think one of the best thing families can do <laughs> together is to be able to say, hey, y'all, here's the deal. We all are in a very stressful time. <laughs> and when we are in a time like this, um, you know, maybe in the past, um, you know, we can lose our tempers together mm. and, and and actually like have have like a family meeting to say, um, so let's all like regroup and and uh, recommit to like being patient and using our words, right? And right. so it's like I call that like preemptive uh, of just saying, okay, so here's what let's not be victimized by the circumstances. Uh, let's do everything we can to be preemptive and let the adults lead in that. Uh, to say, okay, here we're we adults in the room. We're aware of that. So, you know, whether it's you know a mom and dad or whatever, um, or a couple, to say, hey, um, let's figure out what that looks like for us. Yeah. And then, with the children in the home, um, how how can we all together as a family unit commit to that? Yeah, that's great. What are just some like lower shelf practices that we can use, you know, if we, if we feel, you know, the tension, you know, sometimes I, I use a lot of word pictures, uh, JD, as you know, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've been to the Niagara Falls and I always tell people, Hey, you know, if you're drifting down Niagara river, right. The time, the time to swim to shore is, is like a mile or two miles upstream. <laughs> um, so we're, we're using the current of the Niagara River um, as a metaphor here for maybe like dealing with your frustrations, yeah. right? So the time, the time to deal with that is like way upstream, not a not hundred feet before the falls. Right, right. Yeah, you, you can hear the rush. Of the, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. Because then it's too late. You're like over the falls, and you have to, right. So, like, how, how to do? How do adults um, self-regulate? Well, you know, you've got to deal with that when when you're aware of self, and you can say, "Hey, I'm beginning to notice myself feeling frustrated," and so let me deal with that. And you know, on an adult level, and how can I, best as I can. Uh, you know, like model that and, uh, you know, uh, do that, in a, do that in a way that's helpful for the rest of the people in the room. Yeah. 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 Uh, so last, God help us. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Um, last thoughts for us today on, um, on grieving and on experiencing loss as, as a family and uh, anything else that you want to say to us, kind of advice for us for the road as we, as we head out. I, I really, I think that that part that we we talked about, JD, of just 
um, I, I, I have another thought, tangential thought I'll come back to, but that, that part that we talked about of just, you know, allowing, allowing ourselves to embrace and sit in it rather than run from it mm-hmm. is really important. The tangential part that I, that I thought about that I want to come back to is, is this, you know, you know, we, we all, we all are like hardwired by God in a different way. Um, you know, you're an Enneagram fan. I'm an Enneagram fan. Um, that's just one, that's just one example of how we're made differently. I mentioned that only for this reason. Um, we all grieve differently. We do. That's helpful. And yeah. so, you know, how, how you're going to, how you're going to deal with the loss of somebody close to you is, is different than, than I am. Um, I think what, there's some general helpful ways, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we don't want to stuff, we don't want to deny, but, you know, two, two people who, who lost the same loved one are going to live that out differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so giving, giving yourself permission not to feel the pressure to grieve exactly like somebody else. Oh, that's the right way. I think giving yourself permission is, is, is really, really important. Right. That's good. Yeah. I've got a friend who lost somebody uh, and she's sort of a, a private person. And, um, and so for her, it's, um, you know, she has a chair in her house and she's decided to take, a certain amount of time uh, in her week and just to sit in that chair, that's her grieving chair, hmm. and just to sit in that chair and use that time for reflection uh, about her loved one, happens to be her father, and maybe just maybe do some journaling and do some writing. And, uh, um, you know, when she's done in that time, she sort of gets up and kind of goes about her life. She does that because she has a tendency to compartmentalize and not really um, uh, like give herself time to grieve. Yeah. And so she's like, I, I, I know I need some way to, to like block off time or I won't do it. Right. Yeah. So that's her way. So, you know, find finding yeah. different ways that, you know, in a sense are true to the rhythms and, like DNA of, of who you are is, is important. That's just an example. That's great. Rocky, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing this stuff. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to cut us off now so that we can take time individually after reading this to kind of think through and process through how we might need to take some steps heading into this season. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Great to be with you. Bless you. Well, I do hope that you found that episode as as helpful um, personally as as I did. Um, I know that uh, obviously being friends with Rocky for a long time, there's been lots of conversations like that that have um, garnered some practical uh, truths that have really impacted and been helpful for uh, my own personal life. But uh, I, I will hold on to that um, really practical tool of taking uh, memories and, and thoughts that uh, typically provoke sadness of things or people that we've lost and and beginning to um, not run away from those thoughts, but to sit with them and then 
um, begin to honor those memories, those people by um, attributing um, kindness to those memories, like thinking with gratitude about uh, the time we did have and, and beginning to process through um, moments that we were thankful for with um, those people and, and allowing our brains to kind of refile that memory, so to speak, um, into a one that is, is cherished and um, and that we can become very thankful for. Um, that is obviously easier talked about in the podcast than it is actually done, but it is worth it. So uh, from all of us here at the ETC podcast, for, for Moentana Ottinger, for the whole team here, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the ETC podcast, I'm J.D. Wilson. And we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. <laughs>